Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Chef Podcast. My name is Kelvin Cedeno, and I am the Critical Chef. If this is your first time here at the Critical Chef table listening to these Critical Chef Podcasts, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you, and I welcome you to an uh, interesting time, an interesting discussion. If this is not your first time, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you. I appreciate your efforts. And I appreciate you for showing me support. I appreciate all the comments, all the feedback, all the messages, all the love that everybody has been showing me. You know, I engage in a lot of conversations with people based on some of the topics that I've covered, based on some of the things that I've covered. And uh, overall, I'm happy to see that people are listening, people are thinking differently, thinking critically. And people are just taking the time to listen. To a different view. Uh, With that being said, you know, a lot has happened in the past two weeks. Um, We obviously had the insurrection, quote unquote, at the Capitol building where you had a bunch of uh, MAGA people um, barge into the Capitol, take stuff, try to act tough. One guy shot in the neck. Another officer committed suicide. I think a couple other people got shot. And um, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. And, you know, I had people ask me, my thoughts, and I got into some discussions with other people, and, you know, most of the time, I just told people that I would, you know, deal with it on the podcast. Some people asked me what I would say on the podcast, but I, I think I might as well give you my opinion on this, but um, I thought that the protest at the Capitol was, was, was good, the protest. Now, rain the Capitol, I thought it was stupid. Uh... The reason it was stupid is because, you know, you have the chance to raid the Capitol to, guess, make politicians cower in fear, to make politicians possibly do the right thing, and the reason you make them do it is for Donald Trump. Now, I'm going to, like, take the wide view here, and I want people to understand what I'm going to say here. Uh, First off... I denounce, you know, white supremacy. It's, even though I don't think white supremacy as a concept exists, I don't think it's a thing. I think just racist people believe in it. And, you know, the only people who can get rid of racism are racist. So I have to let them figure that shit out, that it's pretty stupid. But, you know, these people were just fucking dumb. These people got played. You know, and if and if you compare it to... The uh, BLM protests, which this is not like a whataboutism or like trying to say which side is worse, right? Now, you had two groups of people, right? You had the, the left, the extreme left protesting over police brutality. And then you have the extreme right protesting over Trump's loss, the QAnoners. And um, They both had groups of people that were there to be peacefully protesting and make their voices heard and 
share their ideas and their thoughts. And then you had people who decided to destroy stuff. So you had the people who tried to raid the Capitol. You had the people who burned down buildings and burned down businesses and had fights with police. And ultimately, from the QAnon side, the extreme right side, nothing happened. Trump's going to lose. Trump's still not president. The inauguration is still tomorrow. I'm recording this on the 20th. And on the left, not much has changed as far as police brutality. I think yesterday or today, a black man was shot by police because he was having a uh, he was uh, having a mental health breakdown. The police shot him, and no really laws of substance have passed. And this goes back to you know my episode on political tribalism. It's just you have two sides that got played, two sides that got played, two sides that got their feelings played and strong on a violin. Two sides that got caught up in politics, got caught up in tribalism, got caught up rooting for their team. When the real problem is the government, when the real problem is politicians, when the real problem is class in America. And Donald Trump was a very bad president, very bad very bad president. He had some laws that I agree with, some I didn't disagree, some I disagree with. Uh, this Hall of American Heroes with the 200 statues, very cool. I appreciate it. Kobe Bryant's going to be in there. Shout out KB24, rest in peace. But, you know, he was no good. He had to go, right? Uh, today, you know, he had a video saying that our movement has just begun. Because now in American politics, what's happening is you have the Democrats on one side, the GOP on one side, and then now you have the Trump party. And and best be assured, this is the Trump. There is the Trump party. The Trump party is a thing. And the Trump party will more than likely be, I would say, like a maverick party. I don't expect them to run any candidates, but I do expect them to throw their weight behind certain people. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some people on the left get some love from the Trump party because Donald Trump gave him some push, you know. Now, you know, tomorrow Joe Biden will be president. And I've had some people ask me about what I think is going to happen during the presidency. And, you know... From what I've seen from his cabinet appointments, from some of the comments he's made, from some of the people who are in the Senate now, uh, I don't think you're going to see much of anything. I think you're just going to see Obama era 2.0, very Washington neoliberal schmoozy schmooze. I don't really think there's going to be much on the extreme liberal front that's going to get passed. You know, healthcare for all, um, you know, student loan debt erasure or student loan forgiveness. That, that, that'll probably exist up to a certain amount, but I don't think it'll be everybody's. Um, I don't think UBI is a thing. Maybe a couple more stimulus checks. But... The one thing I do see coming is that the tribes are being set in place, essentially. 
and, and what that means is that the how would you say the consequence of the Capitol building quote unquote insurrection, which I'm not gonna call insurrection because that's the news being ridiculous, is that a lot of things are now going to be lumped in as the Trump party. So people like me who are conspiracy theorists, and I don't even say a conspiracy theorist, I'm a conspiracy realist because a lot of these things are real. Or people who critically think and question the narrative and look into things and do their own research. You will now be a Trumper. Because you're not going with the mainstream. Because you're not agreeing to the narrative. Um, people who you know don't agree with the left or don't agree with everything the left does. Even if they are a liberal, you will still be a Trumper. You will still be a right wing. You will still be a quote-unquote domestic terrorists. Uh, the Washington Post recently ran an article about multinational white supremacy, which means that you could be Hispanic or a black person or a Latino or a Filipina, I mean, uh, Asian Pacific Islander. Um, you know, you could be a very different race and still somehow participate or be part of white supremacy. Uh, I even saw a tweet today uh, from a doctor, and I don't want to like misquote the tweet, so I want to read the tweet correctly. Um, her name is Dr. Sarah Tabor, and, and I want you to repeat this tweet. The worst part of agri- agriculture isn't the pesticides, the GMOs, or any of that shit. It's how deeply intertwined U.S. agriculture is with white nationalism. Them's the breaks. And the sustainable agriculture movement is so reluctant to talk about it that they're basically complicit. Being a small farmer is a deeply appealing to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. That includes a lot of white nationalists. You can cosplay Little House on the Prairie and never interact with anyone but your own dependents five or six days a week. It's an authoritarian wet dream. So, you have this doctor pretty much saying that if you want to farm, if you want to be a farmer, you are a white nationalist or you are taking part in white supremacy. If you want to be self-sustainable, if you want to live in a world where you can grow your own food and take care of yourself and live on your own land, you are a white supremacist. You are a white nationalist. And the problem is is that I see a lot of people that are going to fall for this. I see a lot of people that are going to take to the propaganda to heart. A lot of people who are just going to accept that because something is not part of the mainstream, because it's not part of what people say, what the what the people in charge say, because it's not what the group says, what the tribe says, it is white supremacy, domestic terrorism. People are going to accept it. Uh, just today, also, uh, Biden said that he has now his administration will now have the science administ- a science administration in the White House. Uh, this will be the first time that a scientific administration or a scientific sector will be elevated to that of White House. And I haven't done my episode on science yet, but the point is, is that science and a lot of mainstream science can be bought, can be sold, and is meant to sell products and is used to sell you things and is used to make you believe things. If you don't believe me, just do a study. I mean, just do research. You can remember when you were a kid back then, they used to tell you that dairy was good for you. 
They used to tell you that that wine was good for you all the time, that coffee was good for you, chocolate was good for you. And now you cut to 2020 and all that stuff is bad because there's not enough of it and they need to save it for the environment, right? So you don't want to produce too much. But another another thing, another uh, prediction or just another thought process I have about this Biden presidency is that Trump is gone. He's gone. See you later. Bye-bye. I don't need you. Right? So now there's no bad guy. And it was very easy for people, whether it was an independent or a liberal, or even a Republican that was fucking up or wasn't doing a good job to say, yo, listen, I'm fucking up. But that orange guy's fucking up big time. You know, and they had this thing called TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, where even if Trump did something right, People were like, oh, I'm not a fan of this. And, and it was very odd that it didn't matter what he did. He did a lot of bad shit, which was garbage, which he should be criticized for. But the fact that anytime he did something good, people had a problem with it. You know, and I could give you a perfect example. You know, Kamala Harris was asked about the vaccine. And she said that she wouldn't take the Trump vaccine. Because she believed that Trump was a liar. But then she took it when it was available. So what does that tell you? There's, there's a lot of TDS going, going around that was going around the last four years. And now it's gone. So, you know, the Democrats have Congress. They have the Senate. Kamala's a tie-breaking vote. And they have Joe Biden in the White House. So let's see what the Democrats can get done. Let's see what bills they push. Let's see what problematic bills get pushed, but don't get questioned because, oh, it's not that bad. We're not Trump. And somehow the man who is no longer in the White House will be a point of contention. He will be used to justify many a thing. And this is not a, like a left thing. It's the same thing with the, with the Republicans. Trump did it all the time using Obama's name. Uh, you know, Obama did this, so I could do this. You know, all these politicians do it. Republicans are going to go back to acting like they care about the deficit, even though they gave the rich a $2.1 trillion tax break and screwed millions of Americans. So, suffice to say that the political theater will be at all-time high and that I hope that people do not fall for propaganda because you got to take care of yourself. Now... It's pretty late right now. Um, I'm drinking some tea. Um, now, as far as food, I think t- today I did. Uh, I had some chicken breast, and I seasoned it with some salt, pepper, cumin, garlic, paprika, chili powder, red pepper flakes, and a little bit of gochujang paste um, and some oil. I seasoned it real nice, rubbed it up, put it on a grill on my cast iron pan, cooked it. You know, five minutes on each side, let it rest. Uh, then I took some arugula, some shredded cabbage, some lettuce, some tomatoes, some raw tomatoes, some raw onions, slices of avocados, threw it on there, a little bit of salt, some oil vinegar, and it was a delicious salad. Very delicious salad. And I also had a very nice cup of Earl Grey tea, which I do have with me right now, so... 
Uh, if you're willing, if you want to do that, that you can do. Very simple recipe. It does not take long. Maybe it takes 15 minutes to, to prepare. Um, but, you know, today we will be talking about a very interesting topic. You've heard about it. I've heard about it. And the topic that we will be talking about today is productivity, right? Productivity. Some people say productivity, but I looked it up on YouTube apparently because of the where the verb is or the noun or the sound. I don't know what it is, but the lady with the with the eraser on the dry erase board, she said it's productivity because you got produce. And then product is different. Very, very, very confusing word. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, let's get into it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my episode on productivity. Now, obviously, everybody knows what productivity is. Whoever has a job, you know, whoever's a go-getter, whoever rises and grinds on Twitter at 7 in the morning, you are productive or you want to be productive or you want to be a productive, productive person. That's a, this fucking word is annoying, right? And you see how it's pushed on Instagram by celebrities, by media moguls, by people who sell you stuff from China that they put a nice label on and charge you triple the price. You've seen this. They talk about how I got to be productive, how I'm efficient with my time, I'm efficient with my days, I'm efficient with this, I'm efficient. I do everything quickly. I'm productive, right? You know, Zuckerberg, Bezos, Elon, Gary Vee, all those guys talking about how If you work hard, you can make it. If you do your best, you can make it. If you just keep grinding, you can make it. You know, when in reality, a lot of these people come from money. You know, Zuckerberg, his mom used to send him the coding camp every year. Bezos got his money to start Amazon from his father. Elon's family owns money in um, Blood Diamonds. Look into it. And Gary Vee's father... Already had a store that was worth $4 million when he took it over. Which, you know, which doesn't take away from what they did. But these guys had a head start, right? Now, productivity is nothing different, nothing new. This is something that's part of the American ideology. Uh, you know, it came from the Protestant work ethic. You know, Reagan administration, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is an oxymoron, because you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, and and and, it, and it's definitely a scam because it affects people differently. It affects, it it just has horrible, horrible consequences for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people who work mad hours and bust their ass and do all this other shit for somebody else to quote unquote be productive, or people who do this in their lives and and they're miserable. So, you know, you don't have to believe me, right, as they say, because nobody ever listens when I speak the first time. So, you know, let, let, let's, let's start uh, bringing up the, uh, what we call the receipts, right? So, you don't have to take it from me, right? We can start with an article by uh, George P. Brockway, Brockway called The Productivity Scam. Now, this is an article that discusses productivity and how it's been pushed through culture and how essentially it doesn't do anything. Or I mean, it doesn't really 
matter. It doesn't help people either. Hurts people. And how corporations always win out. And that, and that's something that happens in America where these corporations, for some reason, they always fucking win out, right? America, all these big countries, they always win out. And Mr. Brockway is quoted as saying, there is a real drag on the American economy and the world economy. As I said at the beginning, the uproar about labor productivity is a scam to distract attention from a massive shift in the distribution of the goods of the economy. The share of non-material labor is being reduced. The share of managerial labor is being cr- increased. And um, non-managerial labor is like higher-end jobs. Managerial labor is jobs that people get managed, right? And the share of those who do not labor, who merely have money, is being increased most, and being increased most of all, end quote. So it's pretty much letting you know that people work hard. And, you know, these bad paying $10, $12, $15 jobs are increasing. The mid-level 50,000, 60,000, 70,000, 90,000 mid-level manager jobs are disappearing. And the big money jobs are on the rise, as they say, right? Now, there's also something interesting where the point that they says that it is a distraction, Supposed to distract attention from a massive shift in the distribution of the goods of the economy. Meaning that a certain amount of people are making things, but those people also can't buy things, and then certain other people can buy it, right? So we have that. We also have the fact that, according to Adam Grant, a writer at the New York Times, he says that productivity isn't about time management. It's about attention management, right? So, Mr. Adam Grant quote says, We live in a culture that is obsessed with personal productivity. We devour books on getting things done and dream of four-hour work weeks. We worship at the altar of hustle and boast about being busy. The key to getting, thing do- to getting things done, we're often told, is time management. If you could just plan your schedule better, you could reach productivity nirvana. But after two decades of studying productivity, I've become convinced that time management is not a solution. It's actually a part of the problem. Often our productivity struggles are caused not by a lack of efficiency, but a lack of motivation. Now, productivity is not a virtue. It's a means to an end. It's only virtuous if the end is worthy. If productivity is your goal, you have to rely on willpower to push yourself to get a task done. If you pay attention to why you're excited about the project and who will benefit from it, you'll naturally be pulled into by an intrinsic motivation. So, Mr. Grant here is kind of saying that productivity is essentially kind of like a false concept, right? Where there is no such thing as productivity if you're telling yourself you want to be productive or productive, however you say this, which is annoying, right? If you are naturally motivated to do something, you don't tell yourself to be productive. But if you tell yourself to be productive, then did you even want to do it in the first place? And are you even going to be able to do it in the proper manner, if that makes any sense, right? It doesn't. You're not going to do things properly if you're being forced to be productive. Whereas if you were not being forced to be productive, whereas if you actually cared about something, then you would actually naturally want to work hard. And it wouldn't be forced, right? Now... 
There is a difference between a motivated person, a dedicated person, and somebody who's trying to be productive. And that is the intrinsic spiritual nature of the task motivating you as a person. Does it do something for you or does it not do something for you, right? And then you have to fake it for the sake of making money for somebody else. It's even worse. And and this is, you know, could say like this is some like hippie shit or some like super spiritual shit, but it's not, right? Now, there is a study conducted by Samson Sunday, and the study is called Job Stress and Productivity Increase, right? Now, it shows that mental, this is him, and emotional pressure can affect your performance and productivity of a worker on the job. One of the biggest influence of today's workers is on the job stress. Job stress occurs when the requirements of the job do not match the capabilities, resources, or needs of the worker. This consequently affects how a person would normally deal with customer service problems, grievances, violence, conflict, and decisions on the job. Stress is an inevitable part of everyday life and is therefore a distinct part of a person's job. To properly control the outcome of stress, there are certain precautions and methods that should be taken that will allegedly boost productivity, right? So, Mr. Sampson here is pretty much saying that in every job, there's stress. But now, for some reason in this society, there is so much stress because people do not have resources, capabilities, or needs being met. And you've seen it where like somebody will get fired and then... The job won't hire somebody. They'll just give somebody else the responsibility. And that's it. That is lack of resources, lack of capabilities, or lack of a worker. And companies do this on purpose because they want to save money. So they're going to bump that off to you, right? And this essentially creates a inequality of your productivity. Now, there's inequality of, of pay. There's inequality of wages. There's inequality of earnings, and there's also inequality of productivity. And what that means is that, for example, uh, there was another study done by the Economic Policy Institute by Mr. Joseph Joseph Bivens and Lawrence Michel. Now, the study is called Understanding the Historic Divergence Between Productivity and a Typical Worker's Pay. Now, this is a very, I'm going to go... Not too deep into, I'm just going to read the line notes because these these quotes are huge, right? So, they say, since 1973, hourly compensation of the vast majority of American workers has not risen in line with economic-wide productivity or productivity. In fact, hourly compensation has almost stopped rising at all. Net productivity grew 72% between 1973 and 2014. I'm going to say that again. Productivity rose 72%. Yet, your hourly compensation rose only 9% or 0.20% annually over the same period. With essentially all of that growth for the wages only occurring within 1995 and 2002. So that's seven years within that time period. Now, it also says 
Since 2000, more than 80% of the divergence between a median worker's pay growth and their productivity growth has been driven by rising inequality, specifically a greater inequality of compensation and failing share of income going to workers relative to capital workers. So, from 1973 to 2014, rising inequality in productivity and pay, okay, explains a 75% increase in pay divergence. Now, this is the kicker, though, because this just means that your productivity does not match the amount that you're getting paid. And this has been going on forever, for the last 20, 30, 40 years, right? But this is my favorite part. If the hourly pay of American workers had kept pace with productivity since the 70s, there would have been no rise in income inequality during that period. Instead, productivity growth that did not accrue to typical workers' pay concentrated at the very top of the pay scale. CEO pay has risen, but boosting incomes among employees did not occur. So this is pretty much telling you what we what we know, but it's just pretty much saying, listen, workers are getting screwed. Workers are being pushed to think about things a certain way. Workers are being told that they need to work harder. Workers are being told that they got to push harder, but workers are not seeing any, you know, any, any, any connection. There's no pay increases. There's no money. So these people essentially are killing themselves, working their fucking asses off to make a little bit of money. And these corporations are screwing you, whereas these judges, these politicians, these CEOs, COOs, CFOs, CCOO, CDACP, 3POs, are making all this money and they're not doing shit. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, the Washington Post has another article called Productivity and Wages. What's the connection? And, and there's an important quote where it goes, Finally, while productivity is growing slowly, it is still growing. While mid-level gro- wage growth is flat. Since 2016, productivity's annual growth rate is about 1% compared with 0% for hourly wages. I'm going to say that again. Productivity is 1% compared with 0 for mid-level hourly wages. So even though productivity stagnated, you know, working, you know, the amount of work that's being done is kind of stagnated to slow down, it's still growing higher than the amount of money that you make. Higher than the amount of money that anybody makes. Now, yeah, granted, there are certain jobs where you don't have to work that hard and you get paid a bunch. Fine. You know, I'm talking to you. That's like a cop job. I'm talking to you, Ray, specifically. But that's literally what's happening. You got people who are just working harder and harder and harder and harder, but they're not making money. And you see that, like, with the uh, the gig economy. You see that with, uh, like, Uber... Grubhub, all those, all those jobs like that. Those are, those are jobs don't pay. Those jobs don't pay anything. They and they exploit people, and they're allowed to exploit people. Very allowed, you know, extremely allowed to exploit people. And 
And the thing is, some people fall for this. And they fall for this idea that if I work hard, I'm going to make it. Or if I'm more efficient, I'm going to make it. Or if I, you know, put my life a certain way, I'm going to make it. Like, you know, they have this thing called life hacking, right? If I life hack, and you know, it's like bozo shit. Like, oh, I got to be, 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 be more efficient. I got to be like a robot. I got to do what I got to do. I got to get up super early, work out, then do this, then do that, then do this, then do that. Put it like this, put it like that. Do this, do this. I'll be more efficient. I'll get more stuff done. And just people are, like, obsessed with just getting shit done. Which isn't. I'm not going to say that getting stuff done is a bad thing. But there is some sort of conditioning here, which I'll get to in a bit, right? Now, Joseph M. Regal, he's an author of a book called Hacking Life, Systemized Living and Its Discontent. And this is a very quick quote from Mr. Regal, where he says that life hacking was and is a pursuit of the creative class, quote-unquote, a product of privilege, quote-unquote, and is also a disease of it. You know, this is just pretty much people who are bored, people with money, trying to figure out how they can somehow make more money or make more money off of people's efforts. And this is having a huge negative effect. And this you see this in workplaces everywhere. You know, author Malcolm Harris had, a, had, a, had an article talking about why are millennials burnt out? And he says, and, and his answer in so many words is the economy. Millennials, he argues, are bearing the brunt of economic damage brought about by the 20th century capitalism. All these insecurities and material conditions that produce him have thrown millennials into a state of perpetual panic. If generations are characterized by crises, then ours is a crisis of extreme capitalism. Most of these working-class parents who are looking at an economy where the gap between the haves and the have-nots between workers and capitalists is growing bigger and bigger every day and where the middle class is basically disappearing. So they feel like they have to give their kids the best shot they possibly can just so they can catch up and not fall even further behind. So you have, you know, rising wage inequity, rising productivity inequity, rising poverty levels, rising food prices, rising school prices, rising insurance prices. Everything is increasing and you're not getting money. And the little money that you do have, you got to make an effort to try to stretch it so you can give your family the best life. And because you want to give your family the best life, you want to do everything possible to make it work. So if your job needs you to work 70 hours, you're going to work 70 hours because you don't want to lose your job, right? If your job wants you to work 80 hours, you might work 80 hours just so you don't really lose your job. But what about if I told you that you had to work 100 hours, right? That shit sounds crazy. But there's people that do that out here. But Business Insider ran a story about crunch culture, which is in gaming. So for those who don't know, who, who don't play video games, a lot of these video games are made by small teams or small groups. And these small groups, they work fucking insane hours, like. I'm talking about, like, for example, Fortnite. Everybody knows what Fortnite is. Uh, in this article uh, about crunch culture, Business Insider says, the massive success of Fortnite came at a cost. One employee was quoted as saying, I work an average of 70 hours a week. There's probably at least 50 or even 100 other people at Epic working these hours. I know people who pull 100-hour weeks. Another said, I hardly sleep. I'm grumpy at home. I have no energy to go out. And I'm getting and getting a weekend away from work is a major achievement, which is insane. And even though we have all these negatives, all of these issues, 
tied to productivity, tied to wage inequality, tied to the mistreatment of workers, to the exploitation of workers, to the rise of CEO praising and the rise of, you know, rise and grind culture, that people somehow end up obsessed. Um, Max Weber, uh, this is the guy who identified the Protestant ethic. You know, called, said that waste of time is the first and in the principle, the deadliest of sins. Now, this is very well alive because Fast Company, you know, says that the consumer appetite for productivity techniques reflects an environment in which work has spilled over from the office to the train, to the airplane, to the hotel room, and even your bed. Productivity tools offer to protect workers from the creep of jobs that lack clear beginnings and ends, whether in hours clocked or outputs produced. For professionals today, productivity apps take the place of the secretary in managing your traffic, curating discretionary appearances, organizing your logistics. Ironically, these personal productivity innovations have appeared as knowledge jobs became impossible to measure on old metrics of time and location. Productivity software has arrived in tandem with a imaginary call to do more with less. In the parlance of productivity, this translates to a work smarter, not harder. Now, they're going to tell you work smarter, not harder. They're going to tell you you got to be more productive. They're going to tell you this is going to save us. This is going to look good on your, on, your, on, your, on your resume. This is going to look good on your um, performance evaluation. This is going to look good so you get your bonus. You know, do more with less, work harder, not smarter. Get it done. Do this. You could do this. Wake up early if you have to. But it doesn't stop. It never fucking stops. So if the job, so if the job is pushing for you to somehow to be self-motivated, right? And if the job is 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 just saying, oh, you need to be more productive. You need to do this. You need to do this, right? Now, you could sit there and fake the funk, but you really can't actually anymore. Because productivity just like everything else, is being pushed by the media, it's being pushed by the masses, it's being pushed by the mainstream, it's being pushed by corporations, and it's being pushed by your job, and will probably come to your job. So, this is a very scary article. This is an article from PC Magazine called The Quantified Employee, How Companies Use Tech to Track Workers. Now, I want you guys to read, uh, to, to look this article up, please, because for me, this is like the most... Telling one. And I'm going to read just a little bit just so you can listen. So Trevor, who asked us to use only his first name, was traveling through a small town and keeping to a posted speed limit. As he hit a curve, he knew he should have slowed down sooner. But the LED, I mean ELD, the electronic logging device, installed in his truck was ticking away. If he lost time, he'd have to find a truck stop and sleep there instead of a home. Within seconds, he was nearly a statistic. His truck soared off the road. The twisted wreck of the bed lay behind it. And the lumber carried it away. And it was scattered down the highway like popsicle sticks. Miraculously, Trevor walked away with only bruises. Since 2017, U.S. long-haul drivers are required to be monitored by ELDs that keep track of their location, speed, schedule, and how they space Sleeping and driving. 
Now, many employees wouldn't find it surprising that their computer-based activities are captured by keyloggers and other software. But physical tracking, accomplished with wearable devices like Fitbits, brainwave monitoring helmets, and even implanted microchips, could feel like a violation. Moreover, there is an element of the turning the workforce into a robotic one that threatens their livelihoods. Now, this article also quotes a study that non-traditional monitoring techniques rose from 30% to 50% in 2018, and the number is expected to hit 80% in 2020. Well, 2020 is over, so it's probably already 20%. Now, the article mentions trackable. Now, the article mentions uh, some trackable. Technology, stuff like GPS badges, IDs that track your location all over the place, smart caps that track your fatigue and your sweat and your tiredness, uh, smart bands for health, just a whole bunch of real dystopian, tracky, tracky, scary shit, right? Now, Wired Magazine also had an article, and, and, and this is just to show you how these people that are, you know, the corporations are evil how these people are evil, how they use everything just to exploit. And remember, there is not a tragedy that these people can't exploit, right? So Wired says, tech could be used to track employees in the name of health. Makers of a product tracking beacon suggest using the tools to help enforce social distancing in the workplace. Estimote is touting a wearable beacon as a way to combat the spread of the virus. A new package will help managers pinpoint high-touch areas for cleaning, show them where workers flout social distancing rules, and identify those who need to quarantine after a colleague tests positive. Right? As businesses across the U.S. are scrambled to restart operations and breathe life into cratering economy, many are exploring both low- and high-tech solutions to keep workers safe. Masks, sanitizer, plexiglass are increasingly common. Some are also turning to technology such as temperature-sensing cameras. There are going to be systems that are deployed in literally every building that monitor behavior, says Density CEO Andrew Farah, and it's just a question of how deep down the surveillance rabbit hole we go. I'm going to read that again. And it's just a question of how deep down the surveillance rabbit hole we go. Um, newsflash. It's not going... They're not, they're, 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 the hole is limitless. It has no end. has no bottom. Other companies are offering cameras and computer vision algorithms as a solution. Point Grab, an Israeli company that sells... Ceiling cameras is now pitching its technology as a COVID solution. And it's fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. Now, this is this these things exist. And and I'm gonna read something to you. So there are now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So time doctor, toggle, rescue time, hours, timely, harvest, ever hour. Time and I, Click Time, and Top Tracker are all applications being used by corporations to watch you. And not only watch you at work, because obviously a lot of people can't go to work because of Corona, but like I said, there is not a tragedy that cannot be exploited. There is not a means or something or some way that people cannot make money out of any fucking thing. It's really disheartening. It's really sad, actually. Um. To the point where NPR has an article. Your boss is watching you. Work from home boom leads to more surveillance. Now this is an article where they explain that. They follow this lady. Who lives in Brooklyn. And she has a 25 year old. uh, She's a 25 year old. And she has an e-commerce job. 
And her job emailed her stating that every employee was to install software called Hubstaff immediately on their personal computers so it could track their movements, keyboard strokes, and record web pages. They also had to download an app called T-Sheets to keep their tabs whereabouts about working hours. And there's also something called Time Doctor that it downloads videos of employee screens while they work. It can enable a computer's webcam to take a picture of the employee every 10 minutes. Very, very big brother, 1984, very dystopian. And the woman in this article, she says, if you're idle for a few minutes, if you go to the bathroom, a pop-up will come up and say you have 60 seconds to start working again or we're going to pause your time. Imagine that you are working from home, busting your ass, doing what you got to do. And for some reason, you can't even get up to go to the bathroom because they're going to dock your fucking time. Work smarter, not harder. Not good. Not fucking good. Now, you know, this is not going to stop. It gets worse. It will continue. It will continue to evolve. And these people don't care. Now, you look at Amazon. And Amazon now, they've gotten so good at this that they don't even fucking need people to fire people for not being productive, right? Uh, in an article talking about how Amazon automatically tracks and fires warehouse workers for productivity, the documents, quote, also show a deeply automated tracking and termination process. Amazon's system tracks the rates of each individual associate's productivity, according to the letter, and automatically generates any warnings or terminations regarding quality or productivity without input from supervisors. <laughs> Amazon says supervisors are able to override the process. So now... Just imagine you're working this job at an Amazon factory where you're not making good money. You're walking about, what, 15 miles a day? You got robots fucking pushing you everywhere. And because you take a break or you're tired and you can't, you know, do something, a fucking robot comes and fucking fires you. A fucking robot. This company is now so obsessed with productivity. A lot of companies are so obsessed with productivity, but Amazon in particular right now is so obsessed with productivity and so obsessed with you working harder. It's so obsessed with maximizing your effort and fucking squeezing you like a fucking sponge for every dime that they will fucking have a robot fire you. Not the audacity to have a fucking person fire you. A fucking robot. And the worst part about this is that this tracking is growing. It's getting faster. It's getting more insane. But nobody cares. Fast Company said that a research firm called Gartner found that more than 50% of 239 large corporations are using non-traditional monitoring techniques. And five years ago, they assumed there would be a big mushroom cloud of litigation because of electronic inclusion. But from all that, Nothing has materialized. It appears that people have become desensitized, especially millennial workers who grew up in something of a digital fishbowl. They now make up a larger share of the U.S. labor market. So essentially, my generation is just, just fucking laying down. Let the steamroller roll over you. And it's disheartening to see this. It's, it's very sad to even hear about this because what the fuck? You would think that people would care. You would think that people would... Stand up that people would say, no, 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 bro. I, 
I'm 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 not fucking doing this. And and it shows you how these people just have a way of putting their you know attacking people from all areas, from all sides, from from all aspects, from just you know, just everything. Well, get you used to technology. Get you used to this. 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 And next thing you know, you don't even think about it. You 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 don't even you know question everything. You don't even you know you don't even think about it. You just, just go okay, that's fine. When when it's actually it's wrong, you know it's wrong to the fact that these these people who don't work are making extremes amount of money. While the people who do work are making little to no money. And then they have the audacity to tell you, well, you know, you work harder. And 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 I know in my last episode I mentioned like the human capital market. And and this is part of it. This is this is tied to it. This is your labor, your metrics, your work will be how you are valued in the future and will be part of your social credit score. Will be part of what you're able to access will be part of what you get. This is a real thing. These are things that are happening every fucking day. There are people right now that I know that have to do these things. I have to use some of these programs because they're job mandated. And they're like, well, if I don't got the job, I can't pay my rent. You know, right now in New York City, unemployment is backed up. I think in Jersey, it's either New York or New Jersey. Unemployment's backed up eight weeks. It's two months for some people. So people want their job because they want that check. And because they want that check, they might have to get exploited by these fucking people, by these fucking clowns. It's really fucking disgusting. And, and you know, especially in a time like Corona, where, for example, you know, somebody like me, I'm very fortunate that I have not been let go or furloughed or anything. I have a federal job. My job's budget is earmarked for the year we get paid in advance like so i probably you know more like won't lose my job but there's a lot of people out here hurting there's a lot of people that are frisky there's a lot of people that they don't got that luxury that i do they don't got the luxury that some of the people i know do they don't got the money that some of the people i know got and it's hard out here for people it's really hard out here for people and these people are going to take advantage of that and they're going to exploit people and especially you know you people on the internet that was talking about, oh, the government gave you this much money. If you ain't start a business, if you ain't hustle, if you ain't do this, it wasn't in you. If you ain't got it, it wasn't. Yo, shut the fuck up. Suck my dick. Nobody wants to hear that, bro. Especially right now. People can't pay their rent. People are losing their mortgages. Their kids is fucking hungry. Yo, my kids, my my grocery budget has is like one and a half times what it is. Probably two times what it is because of the amount of shit my kids eat. The amount of food the motherfuckers eat, bro. Okay? Everything is up. Inflation is up. Price of food is up. Price of transportation is up. Price Everything is fucking up. You know? People are hurting out here. People are losing family members. People are just struggling and people have the audacity to push productivity culture as if it's a solution. Oh, if you just work harder, you're going to make it. If you just work harder, you're going to make it. If you hustle enough, you're going to make it. 
No, you fucking clown. The stats prove that none of this is connected to anything. The stats prove that this is rigged. The stats prove that this is a scam. The stats prove that they have you pushing an ideology that you don't even believe in. But you just do it because you think that is right and that's what other people tell you. That's not the fucking case. Just like people get caught up in political ideologies, in religious ideologies, you can get caught up in a workplace ideology. You can get caught up in a capitalist ideology that makes you lose your sense of self and makes you lose your sense of compassion, empathy for people and makes you think and look at people as a fucking product. People are not products. Humans are not products. But these corporations have made people think and made people to believe that we are the product and that people who we can exploit are a product. My, what I urge people to do is ignore that shit. Really ignore that shit. Do what is best for you. Now, if you're somebody who needs that, fine. Listen to it and let it push you. But if you're somebody who doesn't need that, you don't need to listen to that. If there's somebody that's going through a tough time or somebody who's just trying to figure themselves out, just trying to get their life together, you don't need that. What you need to do is you need to focus on yourself. You need to focus on yourself and either A, find some side income, or you know, or B, find a job that pays you more, or C, find a job that gives you the happy place where you work enough and you pays enough. I feel like I'm there with my with my job, and I hope that every other people are able to find that. But I know that's not the case. But I also know that you have to do what is best for you, and you have to take care of yourself. And applying this ideology that is is exploitative, smells like slavery, smells like dystopia. Smells like control, smells like power, capital, smells like just the mistreatment of people, then you don't need to be part of this. You don't need to take place in this. And you don't need to take place in this because you're building the system that they want. And that's the thing that we need to avoid. Building the system that they want. And... You have to be very careful about what is being said, what is being pushed, and what is being sold to you. Because sometimes the solution that they're selling to you is worse than the problem. All right, everybody. Uh, That is my episode on the scam that is productivity. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoyed the other episodes that I've had. If you have any ideas or questions or comments or concerns, please do not hesitate to hit me up at the official IG of the podcast, which is the Critical Chef Podcast. Uh, You can also reach out to us at gmail.com, which is the Critical Chef Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me directly on Instagram. That's K-L-V-S dot C-D-N-O. 
you know, uh, please like, subscribe, follow, tell your friends, tell your friends to tell their friends, and shit, we could be friends. Yeah, that was corny, right? But it still works. Um, and please continue to listen, play, replay, push, 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 post on social media, post on Google, post on YouTube, post everywhere. I don't care. Do whatever you want the content, just as long as you tag me in it and give me the credit. Um, you know, my name is Kelvin Cedeno. This is the Critical Chef Podcast. Um, and just remember, take care of yourself, stay positive, and don't forget to be a human. Peace.